Hello and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation from academic discussions happening in our journal to interviews with filmmakers and artists and global perspectives on health and medicine from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and to the humanities because life happens at the intersections. Hello, this is Brandy Skilache, the Editor-in-Chief of Medical Humanities, co-owned by the British Medical Journal and the Institute for Medical Ethics. I'm here today to talk to Daniel Laforet, Associate Professor at the University of Alberta in the Faculty of Arts and a member of our advisory board. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Brandy. I'm so glad you could be with us today. As you know, we're coming up on uh, being into our second year of the new medical humanities, kind of reimagined. Yes. And we're really pleased to have you on the board. I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about your own work and understanding of medical humanities. Yes, I've been working in the field, in the broad field of medical or health humanities for the past, I would say, four years. It, it all began when I... Um, on my first sabbatical, when I went and did a visiting professorship at Stanford University with uh, the program they have over there, it's called Medicine and the Muse, and it's run by my friend Audrey Schaefer. This is where it started for me. Uh, what I do is I come from, my, my training is in uh, literary studies and partly in critical theory and philosophy as well. So my coming to the health and humanities is uh, definitely not from the medical profession, but it is from the side of things that include everything that has to do with storytelling and narrativity and, and stories and basically how they relate to our body. So my research at the moment has to do with um, the impact on medical visualizations, different ways that medicine will look at the human body. And you can do a cultural history for that, of that going back into the past, the birth of x-rays, for instance, the rise, the rise of early um, digital visualizations. The ones that we have today are much more you know, uh, evolve, but early on with the PET scans and all these things and the ways in which these ways of looking at the body have impacted uh, our capacity to tell stories about ourselves. So mainly that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. So I'm always in between uh, the medical perspective and the storytelling perspective. And I'm trying to bridge the gap most of the time. Bridging the gap is, uh, is in many ways our most exciting work at the Medical Humanities yes. Journal. And, you know, it's it's interesting that you mention the visualization, because one of the things that I really like about visual narratives and the way we, we see inside our minds, also the way the fine arts are involved or even theater, is that it's so graspable to a more public audience. And as we seek to engage with the public, with patients, with multidisciplinary perspectives that are not specifically specialized in one area of medicine, the more I think that that allows us to speak to a broader audience. Would you say so? Absolutely. I totally agree with what you're saying. From my, from my perspective, it, it even goes so far as to include uh, what one may call daily, quotidian, or everyday life. Because I've found the great work that's being done you know, internationally in medical and health humanities so far has focused on what what we could call the uh, the hospital experience. So people who are sick, people who are trying to recover, everything that has to do with care. So these things are great. They're necessary. But I think that health, well, obviously health has to do uh, with every 
every aspects of our life. So we don't need to be sick, so to speak, in order to start asking questions about our body. And in my case, uh, I'm actually more interested in looking at the ways in which every every technology or every ways that we have to visualize health and the body today, how does it impact our daily life? So it's, it's all the way down to this common uh, desire or need that we all have to tell a coherent story about ourselves. And this coherent story is not a given. It will be challenged by all kinds of things, starting with um, everything that we do to, you know, look after our health. Well, and I think body integrity is really important, but also how we live in that body and how identity politics are involved. Um, in one of the chapters in, in a book I wrote on death and dying in America, I had a section where I said, uh, truth being relative, I believe in better stories and plenty of revision, because I think that we revise this narrative of self so often and particularly as your body begins to, say, be less capable as you age or if you've had a traumatic illness or traumatic injury. And I even so far as to talk about people who are going through um, trans surgeries yeah. who are experiencing their bodies in new ways. And I just wonder um, how how much bigger has it gotten? It seems as though it's really started to have parlance in the public and I think that's exciting. Do you see that as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. So you just mentioned uh, identity politics, uh, which I think are, um, you know, not simply as part of the academic world, but everything that has to do with people trying to claim the, uh, well, one could say the freedom, but also the, the, the what, what they feel is, is more authentic or more true about their body and the way that they inhabit their body, so to speak. Uh, it, it is a widespread phenomenon at the moment uh, that is, you know, as I said, not scholarly anymore. So this part is clearly covered by what we do and by what I'm interested in personally with the colleagues that I work with here. But uh, another example, I think, that has to do with, with the ways in which we can find alternative ways to uh, tell stories about our bodies is in the, in the grand public and out there is... Uh, the wearable technologies that uh, are starting to, uh, you know, invade, that's a negative word, that's not really the word that I should be using here, but are starting to take more and more mm -hmm. space in our lives. I'm thinking about, you know, I'm not going to name a brand in particular, but those smart watches that watches mm -hmm. that people have and that they will record their, their, you know, every type of motions inside their body, heartbeat and whatnot, sleep cycles. And the possibility for this data to be sent directly to healthcare providers, this is a phenomenon that seems to be still a bit niche today, but it's not. We are all walking, most of us are all walking around with smartphones, and those smartphones, most of them have the, has the, have the feature to record uh, you know, data about our body. And this data, as most of us know, has become a very hot topic, you know, politically speaking. What do we do with private data? To what extent does it become... Uh, public data. So without getting into, you know, the politics of this, I believe that, again, uh, people's, uh, the way that we experience our body and the way that we want to feel authentic in our body in the daily life is being impacted considerably by the technologies that we're using, uh, right. of, oftentimes right. unbeknownst to us. Well, let me get back to this concept of uh, narrative, of telling a story about yourself and also about visualizing health and visualizing sickness or 
or pain or disease. Um, Because I think all of this is absolutely true. And many different disciplines are engaging with these issues over time, whether it's a legal journal or a medical journal. Yes. But I think the medical humanities has something to offer at the intersection of these fields, partly because of the way we can tell a narrative story about the experiences that we're having. And so I wonder, do you have um, I'm trying, of course, right now, trying to think of an example and failing to do so. But there's many, many books out there, I know, that chronicle health and illness in a fictional context, but that make it far more real for the reader, even if um, at the expense of, say, minutia, even if at the expense of certain kinds of data, nonetheless, bringing that story to the public in a new way and helping the reader to see their own bodies in a new way. Do you think that that um, not to lead the question, but how would you how would you talk about those political issues and medical humanities as coming at this intersection? Again, from my own experience, what we need more importantly today, and I would say urgently, is a slightly better historical perspective, maybe on mm. what we're doing. And I think medical humanities, the way that you and I and you know most people around the journal, for instance, will look at medical humanities is really to tap into this this common knowledge that, that specialists have at the university of how history impact um, our body. So an example, like looking back, I mean, you can you can look at the works of Virginia Woolf uh, mm-hmm. and, and realize that a lot of things that she was addressing, a lot of the problems and questions that she was raising, uh, not necessarily in her novels, even though they're there, but in uh, her nonfiction writing. Uh, she has a beautiful text. Uh, it's called On Illness. And it really has to do with the fact that uh, there's no narrative structure necessarily to convey the deeply existential uh, experience of feeling ill, right? Mm-hmm. So, so she, she was already, and we're talking, you know, early 20th century, she was already raising these questions. Now, fast forward to today, and, you know, beyond the examples that I was giving with, with the ways that the technologies impact us, we can simply look at, here's a, a number of examples that I, give, that I can give you that I'm working on that really have to do with the way that narratives are problematized and also how do we deal with health and time. So for example, first example would be uh, the ways in which uh, an illness will will be transferred uh, through generations. So how does one think of his family history uh, in relation to an illness that has been shared by ancestors? So the whole world of genetics is involved in that, but it begins, I mean, you can have, any number of genetic, genetic data uh, that science will give you, you will need to include them in the story. So, you know, family dramas and th- these sort of story structures will, as soon as they start talking about illness, will include that kind of problematics. Another way to look at it will be um, a book. So there's a number of books that are being published today that I would say are using different media to convey the experience of having a body at a time where medicine is looking beyond or, you know, inside the body. So here's an, a book that just came out this year. It's called An Opera an Opera in Flatland. It's a novel by Steve Tomasula uh, with art and design by Steve Farrell. It's a beautiful object. It's out there. I mean, it's been published in New York and it, it really includes different styles of typography, different ways of visualizing data that are all included in the structure of a novel. So on the one hand, medical technology is telling us that our bodies are much more than we imagine them to be in daily life. And on the other hand, you've got, 
you know, narrative endeavors, literature endeavors, authors that are trying to convey that sort of opening up of the possibilities, but that sort of puzzlement as well that we will all have when our body is not exactly compromised, but sort of exploding in our imagination. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, uh, the deconstruction of text and the deconstruction of body, that's that's a that's been an, a similar kind of experience and exploration for a long time. I remember even studying the 18th century literature where yes. text and body sort of overlap in interesting ways, exactly. depending on the narrative. Um, and so I think we, we are I, I sometimes like to say that humans are storied creatures, that we we yes. we strive towards narrative. We tell stories about ourselves with narrative. And that's not surprising because so much of our culture is built around language. Yes. But I like the fact that you're talking about these multimodal uh, ways of approaching it because we are not just about language. We're also about art and about dance. And while the journal proper doesn't necessarily, we don't publish poetry, we don't publish yeah, yeah. pieces of art, but we are really interested in the conversation surrounding what this says about being human. Exactly. Uh, you know, the, perhaps the first uh, thing to say would be that obviously our bodily experience precedes our language. Uh, we are creatures of language, as you've said, but we are a body to start with. We learn how to live with our body before we learn how to speak. That is obvious to, to say like this, but when you start thinking about it, it involves so many things. For example, again, uh, we are experiencing different time spans inside our own body. Our organs don't necessarily have the same uh, lifespan anymore, but it may happen that I'm not not necessarily going to take all my organs to the grave, knowing that we have the technology to transplant organs today, mm -hmm. knowing that we're we're getting close to have the technology to to you know 3D print them or just you know, uh, and I'm using words that are not necessarily uh, appreciated by the scientific community, but do you know, fabricate, uh, synthetically fabricate organs and eventually harvest them. This is a bit of science fiction in there. But I mean, the doors are open to think about that in relation to our daily life. So, yeah, it's the experience of time, which is common to everyone. We begin with art. And you mentioned it, dance, multimedia, uh, image production, of course, literature. Those arts are institutionalized, they're around us, but they all speak about common experiences. And this is what we, we, should never, we, should, we should never lose sight of this. And to have a body and to see it morph over time, to get to live through all of these obstacles that your body put in your way, or all of these you know, experiences that you never thought you would go through, but your body is sort of leading the way. Yet aging is, aging is the basic experience that no one is expecting but that will happen to everyone i want to just um and we'll, we'll close up on this but i yes, want to go back yes. to the point that you make um which i think is really important about the human experience and as we've often said in medical humanities and medical humanities the journal also means health humanities is that it is about the human experience at the center of health and the way health and illness inaugurate experience and, uh, and help us to connect to one another and also to our bodies and to the world outside. So thank you so much, Daniel, for being here. We're really glad that you're on the advisory board and that you're with us today. Well, thank you, Brandy. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Stay in touch by reading the journal or our blog online. Just follow the links in the episode description. We're also on Twitter at medhams underscore BMJ or find us on Facebook. 
Until next time.